title of this message is Lasting Peace at Christmas from John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. A little over a hundred years ago, Europe was in chaos. Hundreds of thousands of men were fighting in what would become known as World War I. It was one of the deadliest wars in world history with around 17 million casualties. New technology made this war more deadly with the introduction of the machine gun, airplanes, flamethrowers, and poisonous gas. It's also known for its trench warfare where men dug into trenches gaining ground very slowly and at the cost of hundreds of lives for every foot gained. The land in between the trenches was aptly called no man's land because no man wanted to go there and no man usually returned. This kind of fighting lasted for just over four years. But there was a strange event that took place during the first Christmas in 1914. In the week leading up to the holiday, there were a number of ceasefires along the Western Front. There was nothing official, it just happened. Opposing infantrymen sang songs, exchanged gifts, held joint burial ceremonies, and released prisoners. In 2003, Alfred Anderson, the last known surviving Scottish veteran of the war, gave an interview and described what Christmas Day was like. He said, I remember the silence, the eerie sound of silence. Only the guards were on duty. We all went outside the farm buildings and just stood listening, and of course thinking of people back home. All I'd heard for two months in the trenches was the hissing, cracking, and whining of bullets in flight, machine gun fire, and distant German voices. But there was a dead silence that morning, right across the land as far as you could see. We shouted, Merry Christmas, even though nobody felt merry. The silence ended early in the afternoon, and the killing started again. It was a short peace in a terrible war. A couple of years ago, Time Magazine did a piece on the events around that Christmas, and they gave an apt description of it by saying, And of course, it was only ever a truce, not peace. Lasting peace was not to be, just a truce in the midst of the battle. Over a hundred years later, though there isn't a world war taking place, I think that's still a good description of what many people experience during the Christmas season. No real lasting peace just a truce from the challenges they normally face, a little more goodwill toward men than usual, a little more generosity, maybe a stronger desire for peace on earth, but nothing that will really last, just a truce. For Christians, Christmas is a time to reflect on the real peace that Jesus, the Christ child, came to earth to bring, not temporary feelings that soon turn back to hostility and anxiety, but lasting peace. I want us to take a look at a passage that is unusual for the Christmas season, but it tells us how to have lasting peace this Christmas. It's John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. It reads, Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, 
where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus was dealing with two types of people in this story. Those who didn't think of themselves as sinners, and those who were obvious sinners. Many of the conversations we have recorded in the Gospels have Jesus showing the self-righteous how unrighteous they really were. These people were generally the scribes and the Pharisees. Here they found a woman in the act of adultery and they drag her in front of Jesus, not because they really wanted justice, but because they wanted to put Jesus, the friend of sinners, in a tough spot. The law, they said to him, told them that they should stone this woman. What should they do? What does Jesus say they should do? If Jesus said to stone her, the crowds would begin to question his message of grace. But if he says to leave her alone, it puts him in a position where he's opposing God and his law. So first he deals with the self-righteous, who were blind to their own sin. He says to them, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So you want to stone her for her sin? Which one of you wants to go first, since you're all so perfect in everything? And quickly, one by one, they wander away. They were hypocrites who wanted to judge this woman, not out of a desire to honor God, but to destroy the ministry of Jesus. And of course, Jesus knows that. These men only knew the way of self-condemnation, not love and grace offered to us by God. And once they're gone, Jesus turns his attention to this woman, and to us really, and he shows us what peace is all about. He asks her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She looks around and says, No one, Lord. He responded to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The reason that Jesus could say these words to her instead of having her stoned was that he was going to fulfill the justice of the law himself. He knew as he stood before this sinful woman who did deserve death for her sin that he would take her punishment for her. The only way that Jesus could justify letting this law-breaking woman walk free was if he took her place. Someone would have to pay for that sin, for that woman to truly have a clean conscience before God and have peace. The sin-bearer would be Jesus, not her. Our Lord came to earth and went to a cross so we could have that kind of peace. Not some feeling of contentment that's here today and gone tomorrow, but a peace that frees us from the guilt of sin and leads us in loving obedience. This is what Jesus was offering to this woman. He was the gospel standing in front of her, holding out a peace that only confessing sinners can enjoy, those who will step into the light and admit their own failure. Those men who hope to condemn her they didn't know this peace, because they'd rather hide their own sin and point out everybody else's to make them feel better about themselves. But the only path to God's peace, lasting peace, comes through a cross. So on that first Christmas morning when the angels proclaimed peace on earth, it wasn't just because there was a baby in a manger. It was because that baby would grow up to be a crucified Savior. Never be afraid to step into the light of the gospel and admit to everyone like this adulterous woman, that you need grace. Christians can never forget that, can never forget we have that kind of need for grace, because the day that you do forget it, you'll be standing in the uncomfortable place, not of this forgiven woman, but of her accusers. The gospel humbles us, 
because we know we are getting far better than we deserve. This is the sweetness of Christ that should draw people to him, not drive them away. He doesn't simply condemn us for our sin like other men will. He takes our condemnation for us. Are you experiencing the guilt of any sin right now? It's there to drive you to the cross. That's God's purpose. What would keep you from going there? Going to see him and asking for forgiveness. Is it shame or pride? Don't let, you, don't let that keep you from the peace that Jesus offers. Don't hide. Go. Our sin will whisper to us that it's better to stay in the dark, to keep it hidden. Preserve your honor. Sin feeds on fear. But there is no peace in fear. Faith will compel us to step into the light and admit our sinfulness so we can confess we need this sin-bearing Savior. Here's a quote that I love about this from a man named Jerry Bridges. He says, The gospel applied to our hearts every day frees us to be brutally honest with ourselves and with God. The assurance of his total forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Christ means that we don't have to play defensive games anymore. We don't have to rationalize and excuse our sins. We can say we told a lie instead of saying we exaggerated a bit. We can admit an unforgiving spirit instead of continuing to blame our parents for our emotional distress. We can call sin exactly what it is regardless of how ugly and shameful it may be because we know that Jesus bore that sin in his body on the cross. With the assurance of total forgiveness through Christ, we have no reason to hide from our sins anymore. That's peace. Is there anything better? That's what this woman, who stood in front of Jesus, experienced, and it's what Christ offers to us today. But there's a second layer to this peace. Jesus told the woman that he doesn't condemn her, but he followed that up by saying, Now go and sin no more. There is no peace for the person who continues in rebellion against God. True faith in this kind of Savior is accompanied by repentance. Let's say you ran up a $20,000 gambling debt, and you hear the word that Joey Knuckles is going to pay you a visit in a few days. You go to your dad and tell him what's happened, how you failed, and how judgment is coming, and your gracious dad gives you the money to pay off that debt. You're overwhelmed by his kindness and by his generosity, and the expectation would be that not only would you pay off Joey when he comes to see you, but that your gambling days would be over. That kind of grace would be intended to not just pay off the debt, but change your ways. We all would shake our heads if this person just went right back to gambling, wouldn't we? If you get the gospel, if you understand it, the cost that Jesus paid so you can walk free from the punishment you deserve, you will not take God's grace lightly. That kind of love toward you will lead you to repent, to go and sin no more. You cannot make friends with the very thing that your Savior laid down his life for. The gospel will convict us of our sins and then will lead us out of it. This is the place of peace. To trust in the grace of God for forgiveness, then be strengthened by the grace of God for obedience. Jesus is the source of both. The world is content to settle for a Christmas where the struggles just seem a bit lighter for a season. 
The challenges can be forgotten for a while. Hurts can just be set aside. But nothing has been really dealt with. They're all still there after the big day is over and you go back to the normal routine. But here we have in front of us lasting Christmas peace with God, who condemns our sin in Christ once for all and then strengthens us with his grace that is more powerful than our weakness. Only there can we find rest for our souls, lasting peace on earth and beyond. Merry Christmas, Cast Church. I hope you all have a wonderful day celebrating your Savior, your sin-bearing Savior, your peace-giving Savior.